Dudes Talk Sports, hosted by Will Thomas and Chad Tujak. All right, buddy, I don't know exactly how the rhyme or reason we should go into this. Uh, we can talk about fantasy talk. We can talk about our beloved team talks. Uh, we can talk about current events, whether that's NFL specific or other ones. So which one would you prefer to start off with? Because I got a bunch of little bullets here. Okay, so I think um, for this specific episode, we should go into kind of the specifics of you're a huge Packers fan. I'm a huge Niners fan. Let's talk about uh, why this year is going to be the year for Green Bay and why this year is not going to be the year for Green Bay. And then possibly um, same thing for San Fran. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of stuff here to talk about Green Bay. got a lot of notes, a lot of pluses, a lot of minuses. And I think we could start hey, there. Hey, man, not a lot of minuses. Relax. Just relax. Okay. So, well, yeah, a lot we'll of minuses. There, there are gonna... quite a few minuses, and I am, I am as the, uh, I am as bitter of a Packers fan as you'll find. So I'm much more of a cynic than a homer. So we can start off with Packers talk. That's fine. I, I humbly it... accept that. I am a diehard, <laughs> I'm a diehard football fan, a diehard Packers fan, via my father's fanhood, uh, because he was born in Hawaii, and somehow that makes sense. So. Um, I mean, Chad, you've known me for a good bit. All my buddies know me for a good bit. Uh, you will not find more of a cynic, a cynical Packers fan than I. Uh, I, I. I kind of assess it, and I call it like I see it, especially when it comes to my beloved team. Uh, I have tons of stuff to be excited about, so I'll go ahead and let you get a brief intro on your, your San Fran fanhood, which actually sounds cool. That could be a T-shirt. Yeah, no, so I was born in uh, Southern California, actually, and so I grew up watching – Jerry Rice and Steve Young. Uh, I'm not old enough for Joe Montana, but <laughs> I do do like me some uh, some Garrison Hurst. You are barely old enough to be for Jerry Rice, man. It's like you probably caught his last two years. Yeah, I did. No, but and, but I got a lot of Steve Young. Um, oh, yeah, you did, I got you a did lot get... of Steve Young, okay. and I got a lot of Garrison Hurst, a lot of Frank Gore. I got a lot of Terrell Owens, a lot of Vernon Davis. So, I mean, just kind of through the years, I'm... You know, I'm not a Roger Craig guy. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Speaking of T.O., what do you think of his uh, his uh, him throwing his own little Hall of Fame soiree away from Canton? Well, you know, I, I, he's a he's a news guy. I think that he's accomplishing that. His his goal is to just make the news. I think he's accomplishing that feat, whether or not I agree with it. You know, whatever his mindset is, he's a kind of his own weird guy. His, the CTE on that's going to be kind of interesting <laughs> to evaluate that at the end of the year. But uh, you know, he's he's a tough dude. He played a Super Bowl through a broken leg, and I have a lot of respect for him. I think that he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, just predicated off the things that he did and the places that he went. Sure, uh, I think that his mouth kept him out of out of there for a year. But I think he's awesome. He deserves to be there. I wish you would own up to what he says trying to be the first active hall of famer yeah ran, yeah i agree i agree he, I definitely he ran a four five forty about two weeks ago i don't with, uh, i don't believe that man i just don't believe it it's like you think every, julio every jones news, is a liar i'm just saying every news article <laughs> every new i'm not saying julio jones is a, is a liar but i'm saying boys will bat for boys and i say that uh man it's like you have two guys there they were on a, a track that were both holding things. They never show the actual things. Do they show the actual stopwatches themselves? They did. They did. Well, if and they the did, who's saying that they didn't click it earlier, man? It's like <sighs> I remember when me and my buddies used to run 40s. We'd shave off a few hundredths of a second just to make each other feel better. 
Well, so I guess my argument for Terrell Owens is that Brandon Marshall just signed a deal with the Seattle Seahawks. And I think, <laughs> you know, just based off of last year's performance and the year before that with the Jets, I think one year of T.O. would be more exciting than one more year of Brandon Marshall because I would, I'm telling you, I'm going to grab my popcorn for some T.O. Yeah, man, you'd also probably draft Brandon Marshall again. Oh, I did draft Just him saying. in like the third or fourth round. Yeah, I, that was my sleeper pick. That was your sleeper pick, along with Randall Cobb and all that stuff for like multiple years in a row, especially last year when you said you were never going to draft him again, and then lo and behold. Then again, I did the same thing with Jamal Charles, so I can't complain. Yeah, Jamal Charles is a sleeper pick this year. He's uh, not even on a team, so. Yeah. <laughs> so very I look, I'm very, I'm very, very interested into hear hearing about these uh, these pluses and negatives on your assessment of the Packers. So. Well, my initial thing is just real quick cursory look at the roster. I mean, we see what they did this year with the draft, just trying to get bigger, stronger, faster, and, you know, most of all, younger. Um, But then you look at the team, and it's not a lot of stuff in the middle. They have a lot of really young guys, which for a veteran quarterback is kind of tough to deal with. And then you have a lot of really old guys, especially along the offensive line. You know, you have – and then you went out in free agency, and you got some, you know, some household names – um, you look at these the tight end groupings, you know, Lance Kendricks, great blocker. Mercedes Lewis, fantastic blocker. Jimmy Graham, tall guy. So um, that's all that <laughs> How dare you? How dare you gloss over Jimmy like that? But of that tight end grouping, you know, that tight end room, the youngest guy there um, that's not a rookie or has been in the league longer than a year is Lance Kendricks. And that's he's correct, an eight, yeah. eight-year veteran. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Graham, nine-year veteran. Mercedes Lewis has been playing football since I've been alive. Not, but he's a 13-year veteran. He's ancient. And, yeah. uh, he's old he as is. the Constitution. He's super old. Super, super old. He's not fast. Now, I think with with, I mean that tight end grouping is going to be different. I mean everything they're saying about Jimmy is everything that they were saying about, you know Bennett last year. It's like a, a older veteran, a large target for Rodgers, um, good not great hands, great body control, former basketball player, somebody who's going to command attention. Blah 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 blah. And obviously, I think Jimmy might be much more of a different cat than Jimmy Graham. Or, not, sorry, Jimmy might be more of a different cat than, than Martellus Bennett. Um, but I think going down the line, everyone's saying this is the most amount of experience that we've had in the tight end room. And I agree. Um, I mean, you can't discount Mar- or Mercedes, you know, 35 years in the league, um, plus, you know, Jimmy and uh, Kendrick's. But I, I think with Kendricks being the youngest, and when he came out of Wisconsin, it was his big thing was he was much more of an H back move tight end. He was this, you know, he was a a much more dynamic um, athlete more so than a tight end prospect. And now that you're eight years into it, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, there was a reason why he was kind of unemployed for a year and a half before we we re, or we signed him uh, two years ago along with Martellus. And so I am excited to see you know two tight end sets just as equally as I was excited last year. Once we signed Kendricks and uh, Martellus, you know, to see how that was really going to open up the offense. So I, I hope that I think this is going to be a much more different scenario, um, just because I can see, um, I definitely see McCarthy uh, moving Jimmy Graham around a lot more so, like they did back in New Orleans. I mean, I think the, the proof's in the pudding. That's what he is, and yeah, he's not going to be the same, you know, slot wide receiver, you know perimeter wide receiver that you put him as as he was in New Orleans just because he's 31 years old now um, but I think that you know 
I love having that type of asset at tight end because we haven't had that since really Finley. Um, but the one thing that's kind of, you know, it makes me scratch my head is you're, you signed a, a guy who excels in the slot at the, in the perimeter at wide receiver who's been noticeably on the decline and, and, you know, Seattle and now it was that scheme based because they made him, you know, block or is it just because he's on, on the decline and you did that in choosing to keep, go with him over a guy who was just a year older than him and Jordy Nelson. So, I mean, that's kind of peculiar. So I know you have a, a good bit of thought on, on why they shouldn't have cut Jordy. So I'll go ahead and let you run with that. Well, yeah, I mean, just to speak again on Jimmy Graham, I, I think that his career really speaks for itself. I think he's done a large his, – his body of work speaks for itself. Uh, I think that in Seattle, he did rupture his patellar tendon. He sure. was off for a year, and he still came back and made like a pretty impactful uh, resurgence the following year in 2016. I think last year was actually his most efficient year in the red zone, yeah. um, while his – Average yards per catch dwindled the lowest of his entire career. He had 10 touchdowns last year, which is the most that he's had since he was in Seattle in 2014, which was his 10 as well. But he did that 10 on 85 receptions. This one he did on 57, only 500 yards, 520 yards last year. Uh, so I think that they are using him as a red zone guy. And I think that the Packers needed a red zone, just a big guy, someone with experience, someone that knows how to use their body to make separation in there. I think. You and I have had lots of discussion about how Aaron Rodgers is so undervalued, even as overvalued as he is. He's undervalued because of the fact that none of his receivers over the last three years could get separation. Correct. You know, yeah. your, your, your faster, your fastest receiver, Trevor Davis, you know, plays five percent of the snaps, oh, geez, and your yeah. second fastest receiver, Jeff Janis, can't read a playbook. You no. know, you kind of have an issue there. So, um, I think Jimmy Graham has been. Uh, has benefited greatly from his size and the uh, the growth of basketball players. You know, it's just some Antonio Gates and some Rob Gronkowski um, maneuvering in uh, other teams where they see the schemes and they see how it grows and develops. And I think the Packers are just trying to get some of that because obviously Martellus Bennett, uh, I don't want to say it was a failed experiment. No. But it wasn't what they wanted. They It wasn't the Patriots, Martellus Bennett. And Jared Cook... While he was great, I guess there was a difference in money. Some, like, you know, in year two he looked awesome. You know, mm-hmm. he's that you go back to that Cowboys game. If he doesn't make that play, they don't they don't make that run and they don't win that game. So, while albeit Aaron Rodgers had to make some freak throw, you know that's Aaron Rodgers. So I think with this grouping, Mercedes Lewis, we saw him have a three touchdown game last year. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Graham again the ten touchdowns last year, and Lance Kendricks, you know, just a really solid blocker. Uh, they're all what I think is cool is or what I think is interesting is I think that Jimmy was signed to be what Martellus was initially thought to produce once we signed him. I think they wanted a big body. Um, they wanted a big body who could be impose a very dominant red zone threat and could actually stretch the field somewhat in the middle, um, even though they're albeit you know an aging <clears throat> player. Um, Martellus obviously wasn't that for us, but I know Martellus also had some critiques on you know um, play calling, how to utilize him, how New England correctly utilized him and how we didn't, um, how adjusting to coming back to 
different quarterbacks. You know, with Tom, you always knew he was going to be back somewhere in the middle, so you would always just have to work slightly backwards. As, you know, a, a tight end for the Packers, he's like, you had to find Rodgers, and then at some point you had to navigate, you know, the waters to try and get back towards him. It wasn't as easy. It wasn't as cut and dry. Um, so it's weird. I think Jimmy was signed to be what Martellus couldn't be or what they thought he was going to be, and I think Mercedes Lewis was signed to be what Martellus ended up becoming, which was – I mean, Martellus ended up becoming just, you know, an extra offensive tackle along our line just because he was so dominant and, and blocking. So I think Mercedes is going to be a huge asset. I'm more excited about Mercedes um, joining that just because Jimmy, it's a great splashy pick, and I'm, I'm happy we have him. But, I mean, they're, he's not a blocker, you know. And so I think Mercedes giving, you know, with the question marks at – Right guard and right tackle, you know, is, is Bulaga ready by the regular season at right tackle? Is, you know, does Jari Evans come back or is it going, the right guard spot going to go to Justin McCray, an undrafted rookie who started a few games last year? So I think having, you know, you put, you leave Bach on the left side so he can be an all pro on the left tackle, guard Aaron Rodgers' blind spot, but then you put Mercedes, you know, right next to that right tackle and he just becomes another extension for Rodgers to kind of see the field. Um, but I think, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. Rodgers is, for as over talked as he is, I mean, and rightfully so, he is very undervalued. And I mean, everybody kind of always talks about how, you know, one of his biggest strengths is making a play out of nothing. And so they, they, the underlying message in that is, yeah, he had a couple of receivers who couldn't crack, you know, four six for a while, and then you know once Adams finally caught on, Adams isn't, isn't even a burner. You know, he's a four five guy, but what makes Adams so special is his separation off the line and his three cone. I mean, that thing is it's just ridiculous. But for plays that would extend five seconds, Rodgers had to make maximize those five seconds: roll out, roll left, roll right, climb up in the pocket, just so they can get that one little, you know, the one inch to where he can kind of thread it. Um, so I think that's an interesting spot. That O-line, um, I think our left tackle and left guard combo, I mean, from center to left tackle, I feel more, more than confident about. I, we have Lindsley, uh, who's been a – I think he's been a Pro Bowl, our Pro Bowl alternate at, um, center. We have uh, Lane Taylor, who surprised everybody um, – a year ago when he took over for uh, Josh Sitton. I mean, everybody was kind of panicking because we knew what Lane Taylor was at, you know, being a swing tackle and a, and a right guard. He wasn't the greatest. I mean, he would always kind of get mopped up during training camp, but he was serviceable. And then he turns out to be a pretty good left guard. And then we have, you know, Bakhtiari, who's pretty good. Um, but that right side, I mean, I don't know if Balaga comes back um, by the start of the regular season. I honestly thought it would have either been him or Cobb that would have been a cut trade bait. Um. Yeah, cut or trade bait towards the beginning of the free agency, and then I, that right guard spot—it's a big mystery. With you know the answer, mainly being Justin McCray, who's going to be the incumbent. But aside from that, it's—I mean, we like you said, there there's there's a lot of pluses and there's a, there's a lot of uh, negatives, and I think we have a little sizzle, not a lot of stake, and then we have a bunch of question marks. So like you said, it's like there's a lot to be excited. Um, about the rookies, I mean, which rookies, um, which rookies did we draft that you are, are that you are aware of that you're excited about? Well, just to kind of step back into that offensive line, you know, I was similar to you, very surprised that Brian Belaga wasn't traded. Maybe they tried to trade him. Maybe they tried to get his get him off the sheet because 
I would not be surprised if they start this season, he passed the physical and they cut him. Sure. Um, you know, that, that $8 million salary is super inflated for a nine-year vet that mm-hmm. uh, does have a pertinent injury history. And while he's good, while he's good, he's just good. He's not great, you know? Yeah. Um, Bakhtiari, another, you know, so actually Bakhtiari, uh, Lane Taylor, Lindsley, and Bell, I think that's like a solid, good depth there along that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um they're all should be in what is a prime for an offensive lineman, uh, you know, that five to seven year sweet spot. Sure. Uh, where they're smart enough, they've seen a lot of stuff, they have better technique, um, and they're not just getting plowed over by, you know, defensive linemen every every play. And I yeah. think that when you get that comfort with your quarterback, I mean, Aaron Rodgers knows everybody, and I think that he's made some comments in the past like he can't just change my offensive line groupings without talking to me first. Yeah. And I think Tom Brady's made this. Tom Brady is uh, is the only one I know that's that's made it happen with those like crazy offensive line schemes. But you know that's just a different different machine altogether. Sure. So I, uh, just to you know just to say I would not be surprised if we don't see Brian Balaga take a snap this year. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded midseason. Uh, I would be surprised, however, if he was on the roster next year. Um, just because his salaries, just it's yeah. what he does, it's not worth it. Yeah, man. I mean, that was honestly, it's kind of like for, I mean, he's produced throughout his career, but he's also been kind of one of those, you know, is is you know, when's the other shoe going to drop in terms of injury throughout every year? And I mean, he's made he's made Pro Bowls, he's done that, he's done this. I think he was our starting, I want to say, right tackle during our Super Bowl year. Um, but I mean, it's. For, like you said, for getting up there, for being a, a starting right tackle who may or may not get injured that year, uh, for what he's produced the past few seasons with with getting hurt, um, man, it's between his salary, between Jordy's salary, and between Cobb's salary, I would have pegged definitely one of Blogger or Cobb. Um, but I, I understand of I understand the mindset of you don't want to make holes before the draft, but still, it's kind of like you know cutting Jordy didn't exactly you know not make a hole it just kind of widened it a little bit um in terms of need at at wide receiver um but I think man it's there there's a lot of I'm glad that we're finally signing um more vet players just because I do believe that you could see the the mentality of the Packers was a very youthful mentality. And you had a couple, you know, old Wiley vets via Rogers, you know, or, uh, I mean, you have Rogers or Wiley vets, you know, via trial by far, like, uh, Mike Daniels, um, they would kind of steer the ship and they would, they would help out a lot, but there's, especially with our, our defense, they were coming into a Dom caper system, which is just so, uh, it's, there's so many moving pieces and there's, there's so, there's so much to think about, that if a you know a rookie comes in from some defense is a lot more simplified and now all of a sudden you know you have to think about playing multiple positions and multiple coverages and multiple blah 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 blahs. I mean that's what happened to Josh Jones. Everybody was super excited about Josh Jones last year when we drafted him in the second round. Um, we figured he was going to be you know the heir apparent to Morgan Burnett's spot. Um, I mean he was six foot one, two hundred something, two hundred twenty something pounds, ran a four four. Um, was a playmaker I think in North Carolina but it's he came in he was lighting up training camp because I mean again you're playing in pads shells you're not really playing in too much else and, and he's flying around making all these plays but then you know you come to the regular season and there's just way too much to think about and he gave up more plays than he didn't or than he made and so I think this 
I, I love the signing along the offensive line with Bell um, just because I, I don't see him being a, a starter, but I can't – I feel so much more comfortable with him um, at depth than I do with, uh, you know, last year with Justin McRae or, or Lane Taylor a few years before that or so on and so forth. Um, with uh, – I know these, these rookies that you got super excited about, I'm presuming that you're talking about the guys that when you say added uh, size and speed, you're talking about the, the three monster wide receivers, correct? Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, it's just a USF guy. Um, I'm obviously, <laughs> obviously excited about uh, Marquez. Marquez Valdez. Yeah, but I mainly am excited to see what's going to go on with Mike Bettine here and these in these corners. Um, you know, obviously, we know that Mike Bettine comes with like this great defensive pedigree, which let's all just put it out on the table here. You know, Dom Capers did not crush it no. for the Packers D over the last. Was it 10 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. So Mike Bettine has never coached a team so far, knock on wood, that has finished outside the top 10 in uh, fewest points allowed mm-hmm. in the league. So that's saying a lot since he coached the Browns. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it'll be interesting to see him uh, get these young rookies to play. I hear that uh, people, you know, the players love to play for Bettine. You know, he's head coach uh, in his resume uh, he's done a lot of great things. He's coached for a lot of teams, and he comes from a, a good pedigree, a good tree of, of coaching. So I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to do the same thing every year that he does. He does great stuff every year, but I think that they'll need defense to even make it to the playoffs this year. I, I don't think that they can continue to have five- to seven-second plays where Aaron Rodgers just – wrestles out 13 yards on second and 12 or third and 15 and, you know get 16 yards every single time they can't do that anymore mm-hmm. they don't have Jordy Nelson they don't have that experience at wide receiver you know Randall Cobb I would love love to see him play seven games this year yeah, um, yeah you and me both now I think uh, Devontae Adams just got paid uh but he's one concussion away from retirement man yeah. I gotta be honest with you and the the concussions that he's taken have not been oh you know, no oh, they're man, not they're not they've, glancing they've been, pot shots they're not like sam shields where you know sam shields i think the last concussion he took which pretty much knocked him out of his career even though he's staging his comeback this year was he kind of fell on the sideline just bumped his head i mean it's i mean he'd been taking so many before that that that's just kind of you know it's like boxers it's like your chin can only take so much if you have an iron chin that's great but you know 10 years down the road, that thing's not going to be the same anymore. And so with, you know, that with what Devante has been, you know, taking punishment wise. Yeah. He talks about himself being, you know, a, a different breed. Uh, that's what he markets himself as and how he came back so quick. And that's great. And, and he might, who knows, he might be a different breed when it comes to that, but he's taking juggernaut cheap shot, you know, cheap shot, not cheap shot, whatever you want to th- think about it. He's taking haymakers to the dome. And so, yeah, I would say that of all injuries last year, maybe, maybe only the Ryan Shazier injury uh, was the most televised, most reviewed play last year. I I think they watched that. They replayed that Devontae Adams um, hit for probably like 20 or 30 minutes during the game just to, he got carted off. He went to the hospital. Yeah. It was, that was the Danny Trevathan thing. I think it was Danny Trevathan against the Bears. Well, that, and then the next, that was the next game he was back. Was it two games later? Yeah, it was two games later. Yep. And, uh, you know, they barely, they barely walked out of that game. Um, But I just don't get it. You know, we don't get it. I don't, I don't understand um, why specifically Devontae Adams takes his hit. You know, he's not a trash talker. He goes out, he plays football. He's, He's a grinder, but 
he has taken some brutal, brutal hits. And, yeah. you know, so you look at those wide receivers, you have um, Randall Cobb, you have, again, Trevor Davis, you have Geronimo Allison, who, for all intents and purposes, finished finished the season for the Packers last year. Yeah. Pretty much shut the door yeah. on any playoff hopes that they had against that, that fumble against the Panthers. Mm. And um, then you have Devontae Adams. So it's just past that depth, you, you've actually lost your Cinderella story, Jeff Janis, who is now on the uh, <laughs> Super Bowl. The greatest gunner in the National <laughs> Football League, yeah. He's, he's actually in a pretty good wide receiver room situation over there in Cleveland. Well, hopefully he'll learn something. You know, hopefully he'll learn something. Because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, like, when he got chances, he made splash plays. I always called him the king of preseason because every preseason he would light it up. Um, and I know part of that is he's actually having the majority of targets thrown his way. Um, and I know Rodgers, even though it's never been spoken of, um, Rodgers has a, a very, uh, not flaw, but he has a fascination with kind of falling in love with his guys. And so with Jeff Janis, I mean, there were certain things that he would kind of harp on. You know, he'd catch with his chest, he did this, and then obviously he wasn't the greatest route runner, um, and he couldn't really decipher, like, I wouldn't say he wouldn't decipher defenses, but there was a reason why he wasn't seeing the field, and that's just because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't didn't have that same rapport as uh, you know, say like a, a Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison, as a rookie, came in and was making plays, and you could see Rodgers would throw actively and willingly throw him the ball because he knew that the, the that he would actually produce. Um, whereas Janice obviously just never did until you know either preseason or, or the Atlanta or not the Atlanta the Arizona playoff game. And uh, I mean, kind of talking about you know, to kind of to gloss back and go back over you know the Adams concussions. I think yeah, the first one was uh, against I think. Trevathan. I think the second one was Thomas Davis um, against the Panthers, and it's just man, it's that's great. He has a he has a ton of hype coming into the year, and rightfully so. I mean, he's got arguably, you know, definitely top three quarterback, arguably number one in the National Football League. Throwing him the ball, and he's the main wide receiver. He's going to have all the targets, the the bulk of the targets as the new number one. But if that goes down, it's like you know what. All of a sudden, last time we had this happen was Jordy goes down and Cobb was slotted to number one, which I was totally fine with at the time because Cobb had been producing lights out as a number two. The next game, the very first play of the preseason game for the next one, I think Cobb breaks – or I think he breaks his AC joint. I can't remember. Um, oh, but, yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember that catch, actually. That was yeah. a heck of a catch. And so after that, it's just kind of like when, when teams keyed in on Cobb, it's kind of like, all right, you can neutralize him. So if Devontae Adams go down and now all of a sudden we have Cobb thrust in as our number one and we've already seen that happen three years ago and now he's three years older, he's not, it's not going to be any better. You know, I, I can't see it being any better. And I think Geronimo Allison is a dark horse to win that opposite perimeter wide receiver position just because of his rapport. And naturally he's gotten better every year and last year he made some boneheaded mistakes, a.k.a. the Panthers fumble. Um, but I can't see him not getting worse. But with these... Uh, these rookies that come in, man, it's like you said, you got Marquez Valdez Scantling, who it's, I mean, we, we both are very accustomed to USF. So I'm much more excited about his, um, his involvement just as a, a height, weight, speed guy. And all these guys are height, weight, speed guys. But I mean, he's just one of those guys that he just looks different. I mean, he's, he's six, four close to six, five. He's, he's a lot more frail than the other two. Um, but I mean, he runs every bit of that four three forty, and so it's going to be cool to kind of see something 
that someone who can take that top off. And I know Janice ran that four flat. I think he ran a four three nine at the combine unofficial um, when he was at the combine. Um, but it's I there's I would say that I saw a lot of the same things in Marquez as Janice, and becomes or in terms of him being much more of a um, potential prospect. Because he produced at, at USF, you think he had like 800 yards or something his senior year, and he was a, he was a bona fide deep threat, but he wasn't the greatest route runner. He, he kind of specialized, you know, on posts, slants, and streaks, and where he could kind of get the ball in his hand and just run. But everything I saw at OTAs um, in minicamp, I mean, man, that guy just flies, and he's playing fast and he's playing really, really well, um, a lot better than I thought in and out of the breaks. Um, and I, obviously, a lot of people are talking about how Equinemius dropped to us, which is awesome value. Um, I was actually surprised that he wasn't the pick before Jamon Moore. Um, just cause I think we got Jamon in the fourth and, and I would have, I thought, you know, Equinemius dropped to there. And so for us to getting him, I was excited about in the six. And I mean, he's another guy, six, five, um, up, you know, in the, the lower 200s, but 6'5", that body control, strength, speed, can catch, can run routes, he can do everything. Um, I know he comes from more of the LeVar Ball family of uh, of the college football world. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it got, I mean, God bless him, him and his dad. But, it's, I mean, I don't think that's the reason why he dropped. I don't know why he dropped, but I know that um, part of the reasons would probably be because of his – inconsistent play towards his, his last year. And, you know, when, when Kaiser, when they had a, a bona fide QB, Oh, I would say bona fide QB, but when they had a bona fide QB at Notre Dame with Kaiser, I mean, they lit it up and it looked like he was definitely on the upswing. And then as soon as that dropped out and they had question marks at QB, um, man, it's like, it wasn't that he wasn't getting open and running those routes the right way and doing everything he needed to. He just wasn't getting the ball thrown his way, whether that was because QB was misreading coverage or he's running for his life or, or what have you. Um, but the guy that I'm most excited about when it comes to our wide receivers is Jamon Moore. Cause he's the one who reminds me most um, of the thing that I got excited about with Devante uh, with his three cone and this, how I, our wide receiver coach kind of said it best. He just grabs grass. Um, He's he's pretty much insanely he's insanely like twitchy and he's just he understands the subtle mechanics of getting in getting out of breaks and he's really good at getting that separation. Devontae Adams is not a burner, but he beats guys that don't get beat by burners. Like he's just he's he's a burner for that first ten yards. Um, and the same thing as Jamon, except Jamon actually ran a four four at his pro day, um, and I know he ran the four six at the combine, which was kind of took me back because he never looked like a four six guy. Um, but I mean, and I know pro days are kind of often more inflated, like pro wrestling numbers. Um, but he, he's plenty fast enough and he's faster than our fastest guy or our fastest guy when he was drafted. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about him that in his production at Missouri was just kind of, you know, his last two years, he eclipsed a thousand yards and we typically only draft wide receivers that have production. So I'm more excited about to see with him at the perimeter too, just cause I think he's a more complete package, but man, th- those three guys were definitely shot in the arm. And now it's just kind of like, you know, I don't know who walks. I know one thing's probably for certain. I think the Trevor Davis experiment's probably done. I think that, you know, his one, uh, his one thing that kept him on board was, or there's two things that kept him on board, his potential for the big play with his attributes and then his returnability. I mean, he wasn't the greatest returner, but he wasn't the worst. Um, 
and he was a solid he would, he would never really muff anything he would just catch it and do his thing um but i think with the addition of you know Jair Alexander um any of these wide receivers i think the only one really has returning experience but I know Jair has tons of returning experience, and if that's the case and they want to get that rookie on the field because he runs another legit 4-3, it's kind of – I don't see, you know, I don't see him walking out um, on game day I don't or him making it past uh, training camp. I, man, Geronimo, I think, squeaks in. I, I still think he is our, our dark horse to win the other perimeter receiver spot, but who knows, man. There, there's tons of competition and tons of uh, – there's tons of athletic ability now at the wide receiver position, which is going to be nice. It's going to it's going to suck for Rodgers at first with him having to develop that same rapport as he developed with Jordy, with Cobb, with all those others. But I mean, if one of those guys can kind of catch on like Geronimo did his rookie year and have twice the athletic ability as Geronimo, I mean that's that'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. So I, I know you're talking about the the you're excited about the DVs and Patine, and I loved uh, I loved Patine's motto with coming into the year and how he uh, kind of he glossed over and uh, quickly described his system to uh, our, our new defenders saying that it's the acronym is kill, keep it likable and learnable. And so everybody is super excited about that because everybody's excited to play fast. I mean, at, at sometimes they had, you know, ha ha playing, you know, single high safety and that's not his bag. He's kind of forced to, you know, he was forced to do everything. He was forced to be the sheriff in the backfield and he was forced to be the sheriff and coming up and lay the wood. And then also helping out kind of, you know, our starting DBs last year towards the end were Lindsey Pipkins and Josh Hawkins. And that's, you know, they're good players for, you know, being undrafted free agents and who knows what they might grow into, you know, given our history with undrafted free agent corners. But I mean, they, they were ripe, you know, that's, that doesn't take a genius to see that. Um, but with these new corners, man, it's like, tell me what, which one do you like, or tell me what you like about both of them. And then tell me which one that you like better for our scheme with Jair and Josh, uh, Josh Jackson. Well, I like that. I like actually, I think the combination of bringing in a cornerback with a new defensive coordinator or one that's already in place is, is fantastic. I hate it when you see like a guy that's been there for one year that's supposed to have like a lot of talent, kind of like, kind of like Kevin King right now, what's going on with him. And they learn a whole defensive scheme, and then the next year they have to learn a brand new one. Because yeah. while wide receiver is the hardest position to adjust to when you go from you go into the pros, cornerbacks is pretty darn tough. I mean, and then to have that whole Dom Capers Nitro scheme, yeah. you know, that was just whatever it was. But now, um, if it was going to be a more complex, exotic defensive scheme, I think it would be difficult for Kevin King to make that jump. But I think with this kill. Uh, defensive scheme that's being played out now, it'll be awesome. So I like that Jair and Josh are going to come in and learn a basic scheme where they just are told to play football, kind of kind of like what they had going on in Seattle where they just played a cover three and everyone played. It was a super simple defense where mm-hmm. they just begged you to be athletic and accountable. Yeah. Um, so I, I like both of them. for the, They're both long, fast corners. Um, so I think that's exciting. Uh, I am also excited that they're both going to get uh, a little piece of um, Devon House and Tremont Williams. Yeah. You know, they're both going to get uh, a lot of education mm-hmm. from that. I think that Devon House I don't love, and I didn't love that they brought him back. But it's nice to have a, a veteran in there. You know, when you watch him play in Jacksonville, he was a total 
Uh, I don't know how to say this in a polite way. Uh, he took a lot of gambles. Yeah, yeah. He, was, yeah. He, he and his career kind of has been a gambling career. So I think they brought him in because they brought in two rookie corners. Well, yeah, I think and, like uh, I think part of definitely the reasons why they brought back Tremont because I know, you know, towards leading up to the draft, there were rumors that we had our hats or we you know we had our name in the hat of signing Tremaine Johnson and, and then we obviously signed uh, Fuller to the offer sheet. So. Goot was making good on his. Goot was making good. Goot was making good on his uh, his promise and, and trying every avenue possible to try and make that team better, which is good, especially at corner, just because you know we had just traded off. Say what you want about him, our number one corner at the time in Demarius Randall, we traded him off. You know for for you which, know. By the a, way, a don't even get me started because I freaking hate that trade. I, I hate that. <laughs> that I mean, you have this humongous you know, God-given, talented, physically talented yeah. guy into Sean Kaiser, who maybe, maybe not put in a bad situation in Cleveland as a rookie. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Andy Dalton um, and the things that he was able to accomplish under the same coach, uh, same offensive plan, Andy Dalton is not a talented guy. Uh, I, I don't think. That's just my personal opinion. I think he's very average. He's not super fast he's not super accurate he's a career 65 percent completion rate which is not terrible mm-hmm. um it's actually pretty good um but he chokes he does not he's just i just i just don't love him and to put to, to go from for hugh jackson to go from that to deshaun kaiser i think is a huge upgrade if deshaun kaiser can just digest the playbook maybe he wasn't given a fair shot maybe he wasn't given the time i think looking last year um, at Brett Hundley, they said, you know, we can't get worse at backup quarterback is what they their mentality was. We can't go worse. Brett Hundley obviously doesn't know the playbook very well. And if we bring in Deshaun Kaiser, it won't be that big of a step back. However, I uh, just didn't like trading Demarius Rand, who you say arguably was the best cornerback last year. He was definitely the best cornerback. No, 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 no I'm saying and he was our... Ago, I was saying, like, say what you want about, you know, I mean, because a lot of people, you know, Given his or splash plays, he had a lot of declining plays too, and I mean, a lot of it was contributed to him being injured, him playing in a spot that I mean, he said it best that when somebody said, "Wow, you weren't so or you were so bad at corner, they moved you to safety." He goes, "No, I was never a corner. I was a, or a safety who could play cornerback, and that's honestly what I thought about him. I thought he was a good corner, especially in zone coverage, never in man. Um, I thought him seeing the field was never his problem. Him staying healthy, and then apparently it came out towards the end or later that." his attitude in the locker room was not to be desired with when it came along with the, the whole package that he offered. And so I wish that cause Ted Thompson had a way of drafting somebody and sticking them in that one spot and never letting it get like there's, he's going, this is going to happen. We need this. We need you to play this. You're going to play this. And I think you can play this. And so I, Demarius thrived for a little bit and then like you saw flashes on and off and on and off and he was by far he was our best corner and so despite what people think about his playing ability at corner he was our best corner uh, by far Um, and I wish that we would have given him the chance. I know we have ha ha free safety, um, but just to see what that what he can offer in certain packages, you know, it's a, a certain packages in the backfield, whether that's deep safety, whether that's FSL, FSR, I, it, it would have been really interesting to see. Um, but I really think that ultimately, the uh, you know, I love I love having Kaiser on board, and I definitely think it's more of those. It's one of those. Um, 
the coaches apparently loved them. I thought it was all just, you know, blowing smoke. You know, the, the year that he was drafted, that we had the first, second round pick, it was rumored that we were going to pick him at the first. And I thought that was just, or the second, the first pick of the second round, we were rumored to pick him. And I thought that was just kind of, you know, us putting that out there so that somebody would trade up and grab him because they wanted him because he was one of those guys that did he fall out of the first or is, is he being drafted where he deserves like, you know, Geno Smith. Um, and apparently, I mean, where there's smoke, there's some fire because, you know, we went and traded for him. We traded our best corner for him, a piece that we presume isn't going to show any value for you know, at least the next few years. Um, hopefully in the case Rogers goes down. Um, but I ultimately also think that there couldn't be a better spot for him to sit back, um, and, and learn. I mean, it's kind of like the proof's kind of there with the starting quarterback. The starting quarterback did the same exact thing for another hall of fame quarterback and just held his clipboard and sat on the bench and didn't do anything. And Rogers never looked good throughout preseason. He never kind of tore it up. He would always tear it up um, as, as the practice team, you know, the practice squad, you know, leading the, uh, the scout offense or anything like that. That's where, that's where his game reps came. And so it wasn't until Rogers really his rookie starting year that he kind of said, Oh shit, it's like this guy can actually play. He's because we all thought he was going to be a game manager. So hopefully that's what Kaiser can end up, you know, becoming. I think he's a, he's a stash pick, but it sucks giving up a, giving away immediate depth and Randall for future potential in Kaiser. So, I mean, what I definitely think that trade aside, I think that house and Tremont were brought in to give a little bit of spice to, you know, the, the rookies that, that are still very underdeveloped and undercooked. Um, I think that I, man, I've, I've, I'm hard pressed to say that I wasn't like, or that I was shocked that Tremont got what he got. Uh, I think it's two years, 10 mil, which surprised me. Um, I know he played well last year, but he also was signed on as, you know, he was a kind of a a free agent last year up until he was signed, just kind of sitting there waiting for somebody to pick him. Um, But in Arizona, he showed he's still more than capable in zone. No zone has never been his problem as he got older. It was always his legs and running with man um, because he was never the bigger corner. But with him, um, I think Tremont makes it out of training camp. I don't think Devon makes it out. I think Devon was brought in to, to give some guidance, give leaderships, give tips, you know, and, and, and give some of that spice to the rookies. Um, I'm excited about Jair, what he's going to offer immediately in the slot. Um, just because I know he's, uh, I think he's like 5'11", 5'10 and a half. He's, he's much more of a compact guy. Everyone called him slight frame, which is true, but he's 205 pounds that he looks like. He looks like a little pit bull. Um, and so I'm glad that they're sticking him where or they're rumored to right now stick him and from OTAs, everything I've seen, they're, they're working him out in a lot of nickel and slot kind of packages is to max to utilize what his skill set maximizes, which is his quickness. Um, his ability to read the ball's quickness to explode. That's good. Um, don't pull an Ahmad Carroll like we drafted when we drafted him out of Ar- Arkansas. He's 5'10", ran a 4'3". We stuck him on the perimeter and he got toasted and toasted and toasted and it killed his confidence. Um, and Jair definitely has no shortage of confidence. But what I'm ex- super excited about with the, uh, the the DBs we drafted is Josh Jackson doesn't fit Patine's normal scheme. He, he's, Patine runs a lot of, of, of heavy man, and Josh Jackson is not a man cornerback. And part of that reason is he's only a one-year wide receiver conversion to cornerback. 
um, at Iowa. But, I mean, obviously he can play the ball. I mean, I think he had like eight interceptions last year. He had one game where he had a hat trick. Um, the guy can play the ball and he can play zone. He can read He can read the ball pretty much better than anybody, any other DB in the draft. Um, and that includes Denzel Ward. That includes Derwin James. He just has that. Um, and I think with zone coverage, he has that. He has that in the back. He understands that, which is good because I mean it's kind of like Sherman had to grow into his man set. But once Sherman grew into man, man, it's like that. That's what he did. I mean Sherman had the size to do it, and Josh Jackson equally has that size. He's not as big as Sherman, but he's six one. He's two hundred, I think, ten pounds, and he's a big, long framed guy. I mean, just kind of seeing him. You know, next to another guy who's you know say six foot, he just looks infinitely longer. He's his his length is kind of you can't not notice it. Um, so I'm really excited and, and inquisitive to to see how he actually fits in with Patine's scheme. Um, and I'm excited to see if they fit him in, if they fit him in right, because I think Thompson would have said you're playing man. And it's like if this is the man scheme, you're going to play man, you're going to follow whatever you know him and Capers wants. But with um with Patine, I I really see. If you know if they're going to take the direction which I want, um, and and molding your defense to your defender's skill set. So if you can bring Josh Jones in packages where he's just playing zone to start off with him, ease him in as he kind of gets more confident and grows into his actual skills or his frame. And if he can pick up and become a respectable man or a corner, then awesome. But if you can maximize his ability to be Asante Samuels right now, do that. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, you say what you well, want. Yeah, so, Probably well, oh, go ahead. I, I love the um, I love the Richard Sherman comparison. I think it's a common one across the league. Sure. Um, I think that uh, the guy is not super fast. No, uh, I no. think they're both, like you said, probably going to start uh, nickel corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's good for a lot of rookie corners, unless you know you're like a Kevin King guy, where you are just like your pedigree is outside corner, and that's where you yeah. thrive. We saw a lot of um, a lot of great corners start out there. I think that these guys. Especially, like you said, one year uh, as a starter in college, he'll need that time to grow to the curve. But I think that he will be a great man corner. Um, Just be there on the outside one-on-one eventually. I I did like Demarius Randall in that same spot. I think that that trade, uh, the Deshaun Kaiser, Demarius Randall trade, just to go back to it, was more of a money thing because you're going to get more cheap time out of of Deshaun Kaiser than you would have gotten out of Demarius Randall. And Randall was on his contract year, right? Uh, he was either on his contract year or his uh, his fifth year option. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. So I mean, they had to get out of that money. You know, Brent Hundley's got another three years where he can learn to develop, and then hopefully they get to a Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady situation yeah. where they can just offload him and get a second or a late first round pick if he shows flashes like that. Because you know those the Packers quarterbacks have a great history of showing preseason preseason flair. True, but. I think that, like you said, those eight interceptions last year that led the nation in interceptions, mm-hmm. um, and you know that Badgers game when they played the Badgers, they lost uh, to Wisconsin thirty to fourteen. Those fourteen points were put up by Josh Jackson. Yeah. So yeah. he had two interceptions, returning both for touchdowns, and I think he is just a ball player. I think in the middle he's going to be great. Um, he he makes he tackles. He attacks the ball wherever he is. The ball's at. He had a forced fumble last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he blocked a kick too. So he's just a busy guy. He's not fast, <laughs> but he's, he's aggressive. Uh, he's got incredible ball skills. You know, like you said, he was a wide receiver. He could uh, he could probably teach Jamon more a thing or two about catching the ball. I hope. Um, but 
you know, it'll be it'll be fun to watch them both play. Both of them kind of smaller, like slighter frame. Like you said, they are both they while um Jeter's only five ten, he is he is long, uh, width wise. He is he plays the ball well. And uh so is Josh Jackson. Mm-hmm. But I, I you know, they're both slight. Neither of them uh got a little bit of a I think they one of I think Jair got maybe 16 reps in the bench, 14 reps in the bench press, I want to say. And yeah. then uh, Josh Jackson got 18. So uh, they say that Josh Jackson can jam at the line, uh, but after that, um, it might be a foot race. So hopefully them playing uh, and practicing with these fast monsters, wide receiver rookies yeah. um, can really get them can get them going, and, and, and it'll be good. I think that bringing back... <clears throat> Bringing back Mike or Dom Caper or ah, Joe Philbin, sorry, bringing yeah. back Joe Philbin uh, makes everybody comfortable. I know that everybody saw what happened in Miami, and yeah. I don't think that's Joe Philbin's no. fault. I don't think that there's a lot of people that would have came in there and tried to be friends with everybody and done well. I think you needed someone to go into that Miami Dolphin locker room and just dominate and just erase, blow everything up, and start from from fresh, Mm -hmm. from scratch. But I think the Packers are very lucky to have Joe Philbin back. I think that he's going to be awesome. I know that Mike McCarthy had a lot of trouble um, giving up the playbook in the last couple years. He had to take the play calling back. And I think that with Mike Bettine, Joe Philbin, and Mike McCarthy, you're going to have this really cerebral, uh, everybody knows what's going on. Uh, Everything's simple, but uh, I guess efficient. Yeah. So... Well, I think the they did language. a good job um, at infusing a lot of youth while also, you know, providing a, a backbone of veteran knowledge. So it's like they, they brought back, you know, they, they they drafted a lot, a lot of turnover with, you know, the wide receivers and DBs. So we're going to still have another young team, but they re-signed vets to kind of add that veteran, you know, that veteran knowledge while also providing comfort in things that they've known before with either Philbin or infusing a, you know, a proven – um, much more hands-on type defensive coordinator with Patine. So I'm excited about that. Really excited. So I mean, right, I, so I know we've kind of waxed poetic about Packers for the last you know 40 <laughs> minutes. Well, yeah, that's what I say. I got some great questions for you here, just to close up this Packers section. Sure. Here. Um, well, let me ask you this: uh, Do you know the last time the Packers had a top 10 defense, Mr. Jenkins? You say when was the last time the Packers had a top 10 defense? Yep. Is that the question you asked? I'm sorry, I just can't that's hear the, That's my question. That's my question. Let's see. Uh, the last time the Packers had a top 10 defense, not Googling it. I'm going to say, I, I mean, conventional wisdom says Super Bowl year. Um, Super Bowl year 2010. Yeah, 2010, yeah. And that was the, so that was the last time I had a top 10 defense. And like I said earlier, Mike Patine never coached a team that finished less than 10th and fewest points allowed. So... Those Ooh. things could add up pretty nicely this year. I'm not alluding to anything, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm yeah. just saying my math is well, – I mean, the one, you know, I'm just doing math. The one thing about Wisconsin here is everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid. So, I mean, again, <laughs> I, I, can, I kind of pride myself on being more of a pessimist when it comes to this just because I've, I've lived through quite a bit of heartbreak, like Golden Tate catching uh, whatever our, uh, our starting free safety was <laughs> who picked off the ball and then they end up winning type stuff. So, But right, I, so. I'm pretty excited. So, all right, so 2017 stats here. Points per game. The Packers scored 20 points per game last year. That ranked, it was good for 21st in the league. Do they go higher or lower than that? Um, I have to imagine they go, I mean, I have to imagine they rank higher. I mean, I know we lost a few pieces um, that we, you know, that kind of 
that we were banking on with, you know, Demarius. But I really, I really love the addition of, um, with, of Mo Wilk to our D line. Um, I think that yes, a point is being proven about our lack of rush on the outside. But if you look at a lot of Patine's defense, with Bart Scott and Demario Davis, they they provided a lot of the actual rush pressure in Patine's, you know, his scheme. So a lot of the pressure comes from within. They don't really come from without or from outside on the um, the outside linebackers when when it comes to the scheme anywhere that he's ever been. So I think, I mean, I hope, but our D-line, I'm super excited about our D-line. I think Clark, Mo Wilk, and uh, Mike Daniels are going to provide a lot of pressure. Um, so I have to imagine you think, that, that, you, think, you know, you they, Wilk, they rank Mo a little Wilk's bit going to provide a lot of pressure? Huh? You think Mo Wilk's going to provide a lot of pressure? Well, I, pr- I think I love, the combination of those, those three. I would love to see that happen. Yeah, I think the combination of those three definitely is better than because Kenny Clark was ascending towards you know a top ten defensive tackle, and I think with him Daniels Daniels is a he, he's a crazy under tackle that's what he is and I know he's we haven't played de but I mean he's just relentless I think Mo Wilk if Mo Wilk can catch fire I think that D line is going to be rocked rocked and stocked and I think they can, can create a lot of internal pressure just off the line alone and I'm excited to see with Patine's defense because um, he plays a lot of four three he plays a lot more four three than a lot of people actually realize. Um, if it ends up being a combination, a combo line of Mike Daniels, Clark, Mo Wilk, and then you have somebody like Nick Perry coming down in a spot where I think he's a lot more natural at, as a defensive end than an outside linebacker with how kind of stiff he is. Um, it's just going to be, it's going to be a really interesting year. And I think there's not going to be, a, there's tape on Patine's defense, but I don't think there's going to be tape on Patine's defense with what he's going to be able to do with our stuff. So, I mean, I don't think it'll be tremendously higher. I'm not saying he's going to pull Valtas from that to, you know, number four overall. But I have to imagine it's going to be a little bit higher. Okay, so then uh, do you, off the top of your head, have a uh, – let's go through this schedule here, 2004 Green Bay Packers schedule. Um, and just let me know how you feel here. First game, September 9th against the Packers. Bears at Packers. Mm-hmm. Do they win or do they lose? I do believe they win that one. Right. How dare you even ask that question? <laughs> Listen, man, Mitch, Mitch T could be the guy. Um, all right. Then they play the Vikings at home. Do they win or lose? Uh, I do believe they lose. You think they lose at home against the, the Vikings? No, I believe the Packers lose in that one. So you don't even give the you don't even give the Packers a split against Vikings. I, I, man, I, I feel like the Vikings is, got they got to win at home. I think the Vikings definitely win at home. I mean, yeah, I think the Vikings win that one. I just I can't. I just can't see with how young that offense is going to be, um, our offense is going to be. Say, so, I mean, Kirk Cousins, what you want to think about him, whether he's a super franchise quarterback or whoever thinks he's overrated, I think that that their defense is 100% legit and their offense you can't really question. So I think our we have too many question marks. I think our offense is going to be incredibly young. Um, I don't know how, you know, Devontae – Establishes himself as the number one, sure, but I don't know how effective he's going to be if Xavier Rhodes is locking him up the entire time, or if you know, yeah, if Trey Wayne's, Mike Hughes, um, Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr, blah blah blah. I just think their defense is way too tough. 
Yeah, I don't know who covers Devontae Adams in a scenario where Devontae Adams gets open, but yeah. um, I think that it's going to be a revenge game. I think it's going to be a very interesting game to watch, mm-hmm. and uh, if you give them the loss, I, I would not disagree with you. Okay, all right, Packers-Redskins, uh, they go home at Alex Smith's new house. Who wins that game? Redskins in a blowout. I'm just kidding. It's Packers. How dare you? I, I can't. I can't see. It's Alex. Maybe right. that's Bill, one of Bill's those games that like some player comes out of nowhere, like Darius Geis, and explodes. But I just, I don't see the Redskins winning that one. Bills and Packers. You got uh, Josh let's Rosen. See. Let's see. You still there? Yeah, yeah. Bill, Bills at Packers. <laughs> I'm hearing like one word every now and again. I hear frozen and then like a few seconds of silence and then he goes Packers. Okay, Bills at Packers. <laughs> you just said at Packers now. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, can you hear me? I'm hearing you now. It just it was coming through like one word every like ten seconds. Okay. I have Bills at Packers. Oh, Bills at Packers. Um Packers. Okay. Definitely All Packers. Right. Uh then you have Packers going in playing the Lions. Ooh, that's toughy. Um, I'll say Packers on that one. All right, then you have the brand new franchise quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers coming in oh, to man. Lambeau for the first time as a starting quarterback as an at this point in time has never lost an NFL start. So you have 49ers at Packers. Who do you give that game to? You know, I'm going to say it's an upset. I'm going to say trap game. I'm going to say San Fran. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. All right, Packers at Rams. You do not get a break from the NFC West. Yeah, it's going to be so rough. You- I think, man, it's shit. I mean, I want to pick the Packers, but I think that's another trap game, including with the West Coast travel trip and all that stuff. I'll say Rams. You know what? I agree with that pick. I feel like if there are no injuries to the Rams off starting offensive roster right now, they just truck through this. Yeah. They just truck through this season. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> Listen, man, not to make a hard season harder, but the Packers do go to the East Coast and travel to Gillette Stadium the following week and play Tom Brady at home in what could be the very last time two first ballot Hall of Famers play off against each other in Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. The last time that Aaron Rodgers may play in Gillette Stadium for the rest of his career. So it's going to be a pretty big game, too. I think the Packers beat the shit out of him. Really? Oh, man, I would love it. All right. I love it. I love it. Uh, Dolphins come over to Packers the following week. Packers. Packers, hands down. No hesitation. You don't think Jay Cutler makes a special appearance? (laughs) Yeah, I hope. (laughs) All right, Packers travel uh, again to the opposite coast, playing Seattle against the Seahawks. Uh, Packers. The Seahawks, man, that backfield, even if Earl Thomas doesn't get traded, man, God bless him. God bless him. All right. I actually agree with that wholeheartedly. So uh, Packers then travel just across the pond over to the Vikings next the Ugh, week after that, man, right just, after Thanksgiving. I just I hate that. I hate that matchup. I, I have to go Vikings on that one. I think Vikings won. So I think you think the – I guess you'd agree the Vikings are going to win the NFC North next? Uh, I, I mean, with Rodgers, anything is possible, um, especially if Cousins goes full Cousins. Um who knows? Um, but I, 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 conventional wisdom says, yeah, they win. 
All right. Well, uh, Sam Bradford comes the next week, first week of December. If he's still uh, alive. Cardinals. If he's still alive, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On one knee. Yeah. Uh, and they play Packers at home. Yeah, I'm assuming you get the Packers yeah, that week. I'm going to say the Packers beat Josh Rosen or Mike Glennon, whoever's starting in the Arizona Cardinals. Is Mike Glennon over in Arizona now? Huh? Is Mike Glennon over at Arizona? Yep, sure is. Oh, I thought he was still with the Bears. Um, all right, well, then next week, uh, 12-9, you, have, you host the Falcons Ugh, in Green Bay. Man, Julio's going to eat us up. Uh, I think Atlanta wins that one. I disagree with you, but I'll chalk that one up. Uh, then you are in Chicago where you will That's play a- that underrated Chicago defense. Uh, Packers win. All right. I like the confidence. And you guys go to the Jets. Packers win. Are- <laughs> Packers win. <laughs> <laughs> you want to finish it? All right. And then you guys host the Lions uh, against what could be a tricky game at home against Matt Stafford. That could actually be a I'll pretty say, important game. Yeah, I'll say that's a trap game. I say the Lions actually win that one. All right. So good. So you have the Packers here at 11 and 5 yeah. next year. Yeah. Um, losing the NFC North to the Vikings, I'm assuming that the Vikings would have to win 12 or 13 games. Uh, you think they could do that? Um, it's really, I mean, as, as generic of an answer as it sounds like it's really all contingent upon Kirk cousins, you know, does he, you know, does he do what he, you know, does he do what he can in tossing three D's a game or three TDs a game? I, I don't know. Or does he go full blown Kirk cousins? Like when he snapped the ball, when he was, or when he, uh, when he knelt, kneeled the ball, when he was supposed to, uh, to spike it. So um, I, I don't know. It's like, I think. Kirk Cousins is a great quarterback. I don't think he is a um, upper, upper echelon kind of guy. But who knows? I mean, he, maybe he's one of those guys that's coming into his own. He's not a bad quarterback. He's a good quarterback. But I think that road will go as far as he can take him. And I think if Case Keenum can take him there, I think Kirk Cousins can take him there. So you have the, uh, you have the Packers getting swept by the Vikings, barring a – an injury to Kirk Cousins. You have him losing to the Packers and in the last game of the season to the Lions, which honestly I could see them giving that game up if they were already have 11 wins, mm-hmm. um, letting their starters rest. But you do have them notably beating the Patriots. So I'm at home in Gillette. Of that is going to be a game that I'm going to have my popcorn <laughs> and beef jerky and uh, my beer hat ready for because well, I'm not moving off that couch. Well, well, to me, that just screams like one of those games that – there's gonna be a lot of fanfare. There's gonna a lot of be. A, there's gonna be a lot of build up. But then ultimately, some, like someone's gonna blow somebody out. And I think that hopefully it's on our end. I mean, the chips look like they're falling towards us. With I know Tom Brady just came with MVP season. I know all that stuff. But they have to lose once, and I think that's when when we beat them. So I mean, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Hoping. Hoping.